might be a tough question. Maybe it isn't a tough question. Maybe there's a, an easy answer. But in your opinion, should tennis be doing more? And I'm referring to Ukraine and what is happening in Ukraine and to Ukraine. It's a very challenging question. I think... I mean, yeah, the the politician's answer is we could always be doing more, right? Um, I think yeah, tennis has kept up with other sports in, in general, although it does seem like now other sports are starting to go further. I was quite surprised, actually, that they, they went straight in with uh, banning the teams like other... Because teams feel slightly different to individuals you know something like i know it's called billy jean king cup now and we love that name but uh it was called the fed cup it was federation cup you're playing for your federation and you know that sort of thing so uh yeah i was i was surprised but also pleased that they went straight in with that um will we see the banning of individual players i think we've both felt like uh it's unlikely um, that that would happen. Uh, I feel I feel it's easier to ban a team than an individual. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I think it's I I feel it's easier for a federation or someone to say we are we are banning them uh, as a nation as a federation rather than it feels a little bit more targeted if you were to ban individuals rather than saying so for the for the Paralympics it was just the day before they believed that the athletes were going to be able to compete and then it was actually due to the pressure now I'm afraid that despite the fact it was going to be under the 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 Paralympic flag it wouldn't have the anthem etc that's not going to happen anymore but it, it just feels they are a bunch of individuals but they were competing there under an under a flag that it's just it would feel more targeted if it was individuals, despite you saying, well, actually, we're just going to say all Russian tennis players can't compete because it's tennis and you're, I don't know, it it would just feel a little bit more, it would feel harder to do than just a federation saying, right, this is not happening. Much harder to do and there'd be much more resistance as well um, from the individuals saying that it's not fair, um, especially there are plenty of individuals you know plenty of russian players have have come out and said that they don't support the war in any way and of course they're not politicians they're not decision makers neither is the whole country of russia um but i suppose it's about what will it achieve really um because whilst it would be very unfair to kick out russian players for the time being uh it's it's very unfair to put somebody like Svitolina in the position that she was in, having to play against a Russian. I can't imagine how tough that would have been for her. Um, and of course, she knows that Potapova's nothing to do with it, but, you know, it's just, it's very difficult. And she, she, she just demanded that the nation was removed and the flag, you know, that's all symbolic. Um, but she still had to go out and compete against a Russian, which I think would just be really really tough for her to do but it's about what is it going to achieve like is it if it's going to have an impact um and look again i'm I'm no politics expert but one imagines that uh, the kremlin aren't going to be that bothered by it i'm sure they'll be a little put out but i don't think it's going to change the course of of what's going to happen if all of the russian athletes were banned from competing at all but um you know, it might have an impact across the population in terms of what the population feel. It might be negative. It might it might boost their sort of pro um, 
Kremlin and, and war against the Ukraine. I just have I have no idea what the impact would be. But I think if there was going to be a significant impact, then sure, it's unfair on these players. But, you know, like it, it's unfair on the Ukrainian players at the moment. It's unfair on the people in Ukraine. It's unfair on the Russian people. It's just, you know, there's no winners. But it, I, I'm not sure what preventing Pavlyuchenkova from playing in Roland Garros will achieve. But I don't know, but people might sit there and go, actually, this is what it's going to achieve. It is going to have an impact. Um, you know, then then maybe it's worthwhile. But then, you know, do you hold the Chinese players accountable for what the Chinese government does and say, well, they can't, well, you'll be left with no players. <laughs> you know, that unfortunately, you know, this isn't a sport that is just sort of, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's really hard. And is it, is it, is it harder in tennis as well? And we've spoken about this before because it's it's not just one governing body. So you've got the ITF who've said right no to Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup. Right, that's done. But then there's so many, you know, a certain tournament is is managed and looked after by a certain individual or a company. Do you see what I mean? That there are so many different pieces in the puzzle. So you'd you might get some saying, okay, we're not going to have athletes from from Belarus and Russia here, but you'll get other tournaments that say, well, we don't mind. So with with a difficult thing with tennis, with anything in tennis, really, be getting unity across the board. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that because I think that uh, there, in, in stuff like this, there just would be unity. That they, I think they've all come out and been in agreement with the the statements and I, I don't think there would be any sort of significant split interestingly though by contrast we have seen a little bit of a split when it comes to China because the ATP will be going to China later this year but the ITF and WTA will not be so there has been a difference in policy there um so maybe uh maybe there maybe there would be a difference but also it's how long for how long is this this could go on for years do you just never let them play when do you stop what when people get bored of it and it's not on the news 24 hours a day um it's it's such a difficult situation. I think there's a difference, isn't there, between being a Russian athlete and Russia bringing athletes to a competition. Because in the Olympics, in the Paralympics, in sport events, in Davis Cup, Billie Jean King Cup, uh, Russia brings a team and you're selected to play for Russia. Whereas tennis players are just tennis players, right? Whether they Wherever they come from, Russia doesn't bring tennis players over to Wimbledon they, they do their own thing they earn their own money um and you know barely spend any time in Russia uh and so I think it's a there, there is a distinction between that if you know Russia are bringing a team or the Russian football union or whatever they were <laughs> gonna call it uh you know I, I don't know do you see what I mean like that's very different to me and as I say in Davis Cup Russia bring a team and in the ATP Cup Russia bring a team and I and I I feel like that's sort of the line at the moment. Whether that line moves or not, I don't know. But I think it's again like banning the athletes from the Paralympics. It's like, well, okay, you were going to play under the Olympic flag, but uh, I don't know. It's not really how it's set up. Everybody is there to represent their nations. That is the point of the whole thing. I, I, I don't know. It's so tough. No, no, no. I agree with you because when I was working on the Billie Jean King Cup finals, which obviously Russia won, or the Russian Olympic Committee or the Russian Olympic Association won. I spent so much time saying Russian Olympic Committee playing for wait, Russia. They were, no, wait, was, Russian Olympic Committee would have been in the Olympics when you were doing that, but the Russian the, Tennis Federation. Russian, Russian, but Russian Olympic Association. Oh, Rus- yeah, the Russian... Oh, ROC is for they, the Olympics, but RTF is yes. for... 
uh, Billie Jean King Cup and Davis Cup, I think. Did I call them the Russian Tennis Federation? I probably did. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's all blurred because since then we've had the Billie Jean King Cup finals. We, we've had Tokyo. We've had, oh my word. But you're, you're as you say, you're referring to them as their nation. So I wasn't, when I was talking about Pavlichenkova, I was talking about Russia a lot. Whereas when Pavlichenkova plays in a tournament, I might not say, I might say the Russian every now and then, but it's not as widely used. They are not coming together supporting. It's different. It's a team event, isn't it? As an individual, yes, we know who they're representing and where they're from, but it, it doesn't really come into the thinking as much as if it's a team composi- competition. Yeah, I suppose because where they're from is incidental you know, it, when it comes to tennis. And most of them don't live, you know, uh, Daniel Medvedev doesn't live, he lives in Monte Carlo, so I might no. say the Monte Carlo resident or, yeah. you know, so it's... Whereas it's, with the I, Olympics I uh, or with the World Cup, you know, the Russian team, whether it is whether they're representing Russia or something else, they are allocated a certain amount of spots, right? So... You know, even in the tennis tournament at the Olympics, you can't have all of the Russians playing because they don't all qualify. There's only a certain amount of Russians playing. So your nation becomes a crucial part as to who is the makeup of that event. Whereas in tennis, you could have the entirety of Roland Garros be from Russia, if that's how the rankings worked out. You know, most of the top 10 in the WTA was from Russia not so long ago. So, but it's just incidental where where your opponents from in in those events with the exception of the of the team events but um yeah i wouldn't want to be somebody making these sorts of decisions um some of the decisions are going to be made just purely due to pressure and we saw that with football for example they were trying to go halfway and it just wasn't going to happen and but also it depends on the pressure from the other athletes right because with football they only crumbled because the other teams were refusing to play them was it poland Czech Republic and Sweden saying, well, we're just not going to play them. I don't care what you call them. Uh, so they, they had no choice but to remove them from the competition, really, because otherwise you have to kick out loads of other teams, <laughs> which isn't going to work either. So, um, you know, Svitolina said that she wouldn't play against somebody with the Russian flag, which, you know, I could have totally understood if she said, I'm not going to play against a Russian, even though, of course, we all logically know it's not Potapova's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Potapova, um, but I could totally understand that as a as a feeling. Um, and in other sports, people are doing that; they are flatly refusing to play against the Russians and Belarusians. I think it's I think it's interesting. We spoke about this last week. We've spoken about it before about role models, and we've had the discussion. You say just because they are tennis players, it doesn't mean they have to be role models. And I totally get that, but they do have this platform. But boy, have we seen some players step up and. I'm going to use the word role models again. I mean, from the Russian side, Andrei Rublev and, and writing on the camera, they went global about not having war and having peace. And Pavlichenko has been interviewed saying that she's scared and she wants she wants peace and she's just a tennis player and she just wants to play tennis player. And then the other side, Yastremska and Svitolina, how they are playing and playing so well and speaking so well with everything that is going on in Ukraine. And we saw the journey of Yastremska and her sister with her family putting them on a bus to get them out of Ukraine, to get them to safety. And and so what we've seen from these players who have this platform, who are drawing attention to the situation, I think is, I it shows, it shows look, we've all known anyone who's suffered um, trauma, however great or small in their life, they know the strength of the human character and how strong you can be. And I think we're really seeing that at the moment from the likes of, of Yastremska and, and Svitolina and, and Stokowski. And I, I'm only talking about tennis players because this is what we're talking about but it's uh it's it's been phenomenal to see how they are doing what they're doing in the face of what they're facing 
yeah, it's been great to see Svitolina sort of so stoic, but playing so well and, you know, trying to play for her country and, um, you know, being being obviously very vocal about it. I can't imagine how upset they must be. I mean, it's upsetting for everybody seeing it, um, let alone when you've got family and friends at, at home and, you know, worried about them all the time. Um, it's so hard, isn't it? I think, look, on the whole, the notion that sport should not be involved in politics I think in general is the correct one it is way too difficult to deal with these different regimes and it's impossible to just decide that the western democracy is morally superior and therefore everybody should play by our rules it's just it's just a ridiculous stance and sport wouldn't get anywhere without it because you would you just wouldn't you'd have such a small part of the world being able to take part like unfortunately that's just the way or not unfortunately just it is the way that it is um and you do have to work with the likes of china and work with them and there's been huge investment in russia and and, and all those places there's plenty of tournaments now the ICF have really pushed in, in a lot of places in africa um you know there's junior events in zimbabwe that you know, th- there are all these different um things that happen um you know is it right that well this one's crossed a red line i don't know i think the pong shui thing is different because that is an individual player that who has worked with the the wta for such for 16 years and is a part of the wta and they're not allowed to speak to her that is very very different because there's just you know she could she could be being held hostage like nobody knows uh and the ioc have (laughs) not been particularly helpful in that regard by having their own conversations i don't know why they didn't just demand just let the wt talk to her and then we like and then, then we can all yeah, move on it would, it's just oh. it's a, anyway yeah. so that that i think is different i think that does cross a line because that's about the safety of the and the responsibility they have to their own players uh, across the world um yeah they can't really step in because she's a chinese citizen living in beijing and like that that's nothing to do with them um but in terms of checking in with her they should be allowed to do that and then and they feel like there's a line crossed right um but it's tough you know it's it it, this is this is a really um as i say has a red line been crossed i think everybody's got a different opinion on that i think there are plenty of things you can point out through recent history where you go well if this is a line crossed then wasn't that a line crossed you know i come from a country that you know we we've had wars overseas recently the uk the us um you know it's is it yeah I don't know. It's it's very difficult. Sport though, sport though does have a very powerful voice. It does. Sports can sport can bring about. I remember working with with Didier Drogba and everything that was going on in the in the Ivory Coast and the, the success that the the Ivory Coast or the Cote d'Ivoire would have and Didier Drogba would have with Chelsea when he went home. It made a difference. He was listened to. He was able to, even if it's temporarily, bring about peace. Get people, politicians, get the ordinary folk to listen to him because sport is. Sport is so so powerful, and 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 these players, whatever sport we're talking about, they have platform. I'm not telling them all to stand on their platform and and start speaking out. You know, Pavlichenkova, who has spoken has spoken about being afraid, and and we don't know how much of what Pavlichenkova is saying is being broadcast back in her homeland of of Russia because we hear it's being censored. But but sport it. It has a very, very, very powerful voice, and and it can make a difference. Yeah, it, it absolutely it can. Um, but for the organisations to, yeah, be banning people, it's I don't know. It's a you know, if you decide that that's the line that's crossed, then what about the other lines? Because there are plenty of others that that come up 
um you know where is it close is it worth a discussion i don't know so you know once you've drawn a line on this um it's difficult i, I mean i can't see i can't see tennis kicking out individual athletes i just can't see it um it doesn't really make sense for the sport um you know, the only other sport that it's sort of similar where they've kicked somebody out would probably be an F1 where they've kicked out Nikita Mazepin. But that's a lot to do with um, the money as well, as well. The money, they can't get the money anymore because of all the sanctions. There's no money for the team. So that pays for his seat. So like, you know, um, his dad is also a right hand man of a, <laughs> or one of a, a very close, <laughs> very close to Putin. So um, it's slightly, yeah, it's not helping. slightly different. He had, he had a few things working against him. Um, you know, we don't have that situation when it comes to tennis. I know that Medvedev's surname is Medvedev, but that, that doesn't mean <laughs> he, is, he is the Medvedev. <laughs> He's our Medvedev. Leave him alone. Tennis. It's continuing. Look, look, things are continuing. Tennis is continuing. Players are continuing to play. We should probably stick to what we do know about, and that is tennis. Yeah, and it's hard having a conversation about stuff. You know nothing about. <laughs> it's, it, it, look, it's it's such a difficult, it's such a sensitive situation. But it, in terms of the tennis world continuing, we're we're building up. Everyone's getting ready. We're starting seeing shots of of players arriving in in California. Indian Wells is going to be upon us very very shortly. And let, actually, let me start with that because there's a lot going on. Let me start with that. The news that Ash Barty and Daniel Collins, but Ash Barty, world number one, out of Indian Wells and Miami, saying she says she'll be back for the Billie Jean King Cup match for Australia in April. But she says she's not, she's not, in, I like the wording, she's not in the right condition to go and win the tournaments. And so she's not entering. Yeah, right. Spoken like a true world number one. Yeah, I mean, that's um, good wording, isn't it? I can't win it, so I'm not going to enter it. <laughs> yeah, why on earth would I go? Come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, managing the body, you know, it's, be- it's become such a big thing. It's sort of Serena was the first one to, to do it big time and sign off her season after US Open every year. Um, and now we're seeing players follow suit. Osaka's been doing it Uh you know, Ash has has been doing it for quite a while. It's not always, as she was saying, it's not like she's injured and she can't play. It's that she can't play at the level that she would like to be able to play at. So she's just going to wait until she can. Um, so yeah, it, and it, it, it's not to say that it is a wrong approach by the players. I think it's a, a very smart approach, but it is a, a bit of a dilemma, I think, for for the tour because there's a lot of pick and choosing going on. Um, picking and choosing going on you know it's it's difficult uh, to play the full schedule everybody knows it's very full but you know these are mandatory events so she'll take a mandatory zero but pff, doesn't matter when you've got a couple of slams to bank on um, so uh, yeah I mean not unexpected really um, also you know it's, it's got to be worth saying that Ash you know the watch the effort she put in in 2021 was so huge to be on the road for pretty much the whole season and very few players have to do it like that um the Aussies do and uh you know so she won the Australian Open I don't know I I think I think it's fine and I I know it wasn't her first slam because we talk about the the life-changing nature when you win your first Grand Slam but she won the Australian Open you know this was this was you know so everything that comes with that and recently you know she's been doing 
she has commitments. She has everything going on. I believe she's planning her wedding for that to take place this year. There, you know, there would have a lot would have been taken out of her, not just the physical exertion from from winning the Australian Open, despite the fact she played so fabulously and looked easy at times. But everything that goes with that, that that extra level that she's now stepped up and having won it in Australia and being in Australia and and what that must take out of you. Uh, and you know, we talk about other players that go through that. You you can understand that just needing just needing a, a little bit more time and, and, and she will be back, but she was she was on it. I, I quite like the honesty. I quite it wasn't like, oh I've got a slight elbow niggle. It was just like, you know, I'm not in the right condition to win these. I will be back. I'm just not I'm just not gonna be back yet. And um we we had an email from Mel, otherwise known as as uh, Peanut. And people can email us via our website or then get in touch with our social media. It wasn't happy. because um, so when we always say we're not a news service, like things happen. And we recorded this when Medvedev knew he was gonna be number one on Monday, but he hadn't played Nadal in the semi-finals of Acapulco. So we were chatting, yeah. and I think rightly so, about Medvedev, what he's achieved to break through a group that hasn't been touched for so many years is incredible. But Mel said that not mentioning Rafa and his start to the year, she, she just really wasn't very happy. <laughs> that we, What? That we weren't... We talked about Rafa. Well, we did... Not in, not in last week's episode, but we talked about him after he won... The, or we didn't talk about him winning Acapulco. No, exactly. Yeah, because I think that was the timing. So I did actually write back to Mel saying, look, this... Sort of we we have and we will talk about him because look it's increased what fifteen and zero for the season because there was a there was a walkover in that Melbourne tournament at the start of the year so it's fifteen and zero he's got three titles he's now got three titles this year ninety one overall a few months back he was on crutches and didn't think he was going to play again then he got COVID I mean it, it is it is astonishing it is astonishing what he's doing so if I asked you the question now who's the best player in the world at the moment would you would you stick with Medvedev or would you switch to Nadal? Ooh. Um, I don't know. Well, I asked you that question and you stuck with Medvedev. And I, st- I still would, I think. I think. I would, I think. I would. <laughs> would you? I, I don't know. I, I think it's tough I love to... the way you threw that back at me. I mean, if me. you're saying... <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're saying... Uh, if you're saying it's right now, as of today, I probably would take Djokovic out just because he hasn't played in a little yeah. while. But if he was back playing, then I would probably give it to Djokovic. Why would you... Sorry, Mel. So why... And I guess this one for me to answer as well, but why would you not be giving it to Nadal at this stage from what he's done this year? Why would you keep, say, Djokovic or even uh, Medvedev above? Well, no, if... If so, okay. So the reason I asked you the question last week is because I don't believe that Medvedev is the best player in the world. That's why I asked. Um, so yours would be like, in, Djokovic if he had played. It would and be it would Djokovic, be mine, yeah. Too. And then probably it would probably be Nadal after that. But okay, Djokovic hasn't been yeah. playing. So if he went walked out on court and played a match now against Nadal, I think he's going to struggle because he just hasn't mm. played. Um, but he wouldn't be. He would have had to have made the final to do that anyway. Um, but I think that for Nadal. You know, yeah, his start to the year has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous, it's astonishing, as you say. You can't really can't really argue any more more against it. So yeah, probably right now, yeah, I'd give it to Nadal, especially seeing as he beat beat Medvedev there. But you know, your body's got to hold up as well, right? You've got to be able to play play consistently. So. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. We've got, we've got three right at the top. But yeah, I mean, if Medvedev and Nadal are playing tomorrow against each other, I'd probably be backing Nadal. And it's 
always going to be hard to keep everyone happy because so much continues to happen again when we record it, then something else happens and then people have certain players that they favour over others and we just don't have enough time to include every player because I think we talked a lot about Ostapenko um, last week and we had a message on Twitter about Sviontek who went on to win the Qatar Open beating Inet Kontivit. I think Sviontek's now at a career high number four and we and we, we spoke a lot about Sviontek in terms of I believe that she handled becoming a Grand Slam champion as teenager so well, the, the smoothest of, of, of the recent ones and in how she's navigated her path and, and I was also thinking actually last week about Annette Kontivit and and how, how does that happen that she's been around a while, but suddenly she's taken it to another level? Is it, how does that happen to a player? Is it a different voice in the ear? Is it a different level of, of, of commitment? Because she's played some, I mean, her rise and now her consistency is phenomenal. Yeah, I think for Contefit, it, it's working it out, really. It's mm. figuring out the level. Um You know, even from sort of the top 200, everybody can play the shots well enough. It's about, it's A, about managing your weaknesses. And it's also about just figuring out each level. That's why we see players get stuck. They sort of break through a level and they they get it and they burst through. uh, And then they sort of hover a bit and they work it out and they go again. Um, And that's it. It's not just down to forehands and backhands. There's players ranked 150 who have just as good forehands and backhands. It's about how you're using them. It's about understanding, playing the score, figuring out opponents, you know, tactical work as well, all of that sort of stuff. Um, That can come from just your own sort of experience of being on the tour for a little while. Contifit was on the tour for a little while. Or it can come from a coach. You know, maybe it's yeah. maybe it's Terzanov's coaching and it, it's it's yeah. him saying, look, with your game, this is how you dismantle girls on tour. This is how you play. And then it w- starts to work and then you build up the confidence and then you get the match wins, you get on a roll, then your ranking's high, then you're seeded, you're getting better draws. Then you, everything starts to snowball. Um, but she is devastatingly good you know what? I didn't actually watch the final um because I stopped working on Doha at the quarters and uh but I, I don't I don't understand how Svontek beat Contevit playing the way that she was playing it was just absolutely absurd <laughs> so it's on my it's on my to-do list to re-watch it this weekend um because when I was commentating on Contevit it was just like okay well she's unplayable here uh, unless you're bringing something different, like an ash might bring something different, then uh, she's, she's too good. So what is it about the, the Sviontek game when Sviontek's playing at her best that could unsettle a playing at her top level Contivit without well, seeing it? Yeah, I mean, you know, Sviontek's, you know, she's good when she gets inside the court and she's obviously, you know, she can go toe to toe with the strike. Um, maybe it was Contevit running a bit out of puff. You never know how she's going to feel on any any given day. She'd obviously been on such a tear uh, going into that week as well. Um, yeah, you just you just don't quite know, really. Um, to be honest, I think Siontek, how early she takes the ball, is always going to you know rush her opponents a little bit as well. I don't know. The, the, uh, as, as I say, that's why I got to watch it because I'm sitting here going. <laughs> I mean, it was just blindingly good from Contevit um, through Doha. Um, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't wait to see. I, I don't know. You just is it just going to come to sort of a grinding halt though? I don't know. Is it just going to run out of steam and then that's just it? If it is, it's still been fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, or is it just going to be but like if, this forever? But if you figure it out and you've got the confidence. How does it, how do you then, I don't mean run out of steam physically, but surely it's there. Once it's clicked, it's clicked, right? It has, it. yeah, but the confidence can go. 
that's the thing if the confidence starts to go so if an injury comes in or you just have a bad run of a you know a couple of unlucky matches or you just start getting tired at the end of the season then you know you might pick up a few losses and you've got the off season you come back as yeah. I say it's if the confidence drops and it's difficult to to always bank on that really um you never know you might come up against somebody like a Sjontek or whatever and it's just like a shock to the system um yeah, yeah whatever it might be you just ne- you, yeah. ne- you never know and we've seen that with players at the very, very top of their game struggling with confidence. And, and we have that, I've had the conversation many times on air. I remember when Rafa Nadal was going through the crisis of confidence and you're thinking, how can someone who's achieved so much be suffering from a from a loss of confidence? But it, it doesn't matter what you've achieved or who you are. It it, it goes to show it, it can happen to anyone, like whatever yeah. experience level you've got. Yeah, I remember, I remember watching, I was commentating on Zverev and um, I think it was in Cincinnati when he lost to Fritz. And he should have won and he got tight on his serve and he chucked in loads of double fun. He was just so tight. It was ridiculous. And I was like, you've just come off the back of just winning everything. The Olympics, like, <laughs> just everything. Like you, you've barely been broken in months and you're here serving for it against Fritz. And I mean, he'd been dictating the whole match and, you know, all of it. He's just sort of like, yeah, you know, he's going to win. And then he just totally just got so tight he couldn't serve he just could not serve at all he hit so many double faults it was he was it was and you just sit there being like how how can you have done everything that you've done and still this is what's getting you beating fritz like that's the thing that's getting to you um you know obviously i'm being really unfair because the the stresses the emotions on court but but that's sort of what we think on the sidelines it's like well how how this doesn't make any sense um, Novak Djokovic has parted ways with Marion Vida. Now, it didn't seem to make any sense the first time it happened, but I think it, it, the big difference, it seems, is the last time it happened, you know, that the whole band disbanded. So everyone went, you know, it was Djokovic saying, right, everyone's gone. Let's see what happens. And it didn't work out well. And the band came back together. This time, the team is largely staying in place. But Marion Vida mutually, we're, we're told, and and there's nothing to believe that isn't the case, have decided to go their separate ways. Yeah. I mean, it is big news. I mean, I don't know how long they've worked together. I probably have read it 15 years or something like that, apart from that period of time and uh, it didn't go well for for Djokovic. But, it's, but again, it, it not going well isn't necessarily because he got rid of Vida at the time. He, you know, it could have been the other way around as in like things were, he was struggling with things. things. Yeah, it, it, it was yeah. very, very complicated. And it's not to say, oh, if he hadn't got rid, rid of Vida at that time, he would have been absolutely fine and there wouldn't have been an issue. Like he, he also had the elbow issue. There were, there were things going yeah, on. Yeah. And uh, anyway, um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a different phase, but Goran's going to be there. He's been there for a while and he's happy there. So I don't know. I think <laughs> I, I, I don't, see it as yeah it, it's a big deal because it means Vida's available um <laughs> if he wants to go back <laughs> on the door and he's clearly an unbelievable coach right um but <laughs> it's uh yeah I think for Djokovic is this going to change anything is he going to fall off no no I don't think anything's going to be any different and and Marion Vida had stepped back a little bit 
hadn't he anyway because he said he wanted to spend a little bit more time at home so he wasn't at all the just tournaments a little, and just a little these these the, these tour coaches the, you know they get a taste of life at home and they're like actually guys come back come back on tour yeah also they go one way or the other don't they some say actually this is quite nice others say actually well, when can i come back can we just up it to a few more mm. but Gorovan Evenisvich was the was the more regular in terms of visibly regular coach and and he's still got that stability and i did see i only saw one mention of this on social media one one mention of this someone suddenly linking marion vida with uh, andy murray yeah i saw that and i'm i'm gonna, just gonna one, take it one. as a uh, just a little bit of social media fluff if it happens it happens but um i wonder i wonder though if that's not based in anything and there's nothing to say it is based in anything what makes someone write that i don't know i i but i i yeah. you use we no, use they, social media they would have we use it very it. differently social media yeah they would have written it because um they want so it no, to happen no because they, somebody would have told them <laughs> Somebody would have said, "Oh, I've heard that this is you know he's that Andy's been talking to him." Um, can you imagine if you and I wrote tweets on everything people tell us? I mean, some of the stuff people yeah. tell us. Can you imagine? It's just gossip. It just it's there's a lot of gossip. And can you imagine if we put even a third of that gossip on social media? Wouldn't it be a nightmare? Can you imagine linking who with who and this happening and that person did this and this person didn't do that? It'd be a nightmare. Yeah. I know. Um, oh, I remember the speculation over Emma Raducanu's coach and who she was going to be oh. working with, and people were writing articles about you know, whoever it was going to be. Was it Esteban Carril? And then this, yeah, I've heard it's definitely going to be this person. And uh, but wasn't honestly, it going to be Andy end, Murray at one point? Oh, I saw I mean, Andy honestly, Murray linked with. <laughs> by the end, I was exhausted. I was like, oh, I don't know. So <laughs> people, people saying to me, uh, people going, "Does this sound plausible?" And I'm like, well, I mean, it, it's technically plausible, I guess. And they're like, great, I'm going to write it. <laughs> but can you imagine? Naomi Cavaday said that this is, you see, that's the danger. And, it's, and especially for you, you could sort of see um, former WTA professional Naomi Cavaday said this. And you kind of look at it and think, I didn't say that. Like, I never said that. And no. That's the danger for you. It doesn't happen to me. No one ever quotes me, but they, they quote you. I normally just say, I don't know. I don't know. Even if I do know, <laughs> I don't know. So WTA professional Naomi Calvary says, I don't know. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks less very a, much. Less of a headline, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. yeah but I, I, don't, I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't seem like anyone has sort of jumped in and gone, oh, you know, like we've also heard. Uh, so I'm not sure. And I think it must be hard when you've been someone's coach for so long to work with someone else because you've been so used to this person. I mean, you're, you're part of his his family, his life. You know, when you've been that close with someone and so ingrained in everything, I think it must be really difficult to then, maybe for some it's a breath of fresh air, but I think it'd be quite difficult to go with someone who is not going to be anything like the person that you've been working with. Especially Andy Murray. They've been rivals <laughs> forever. It's, it's literally like Severin Luthi, long-time coach of... Roger Federer saying right I'm done now I want to spend a bit more time with the family and then two weeks later being like I'm on Rafa's team what <laughs> you can't do that I mean look works work and I'm you know once once one contract ends you're a free agent you can do what you want but it would be a bold move to go to Andy's team I, I suppose the argument is that Andy's not really rivaling Djokovic at the moment I say not really because you know we just keep that little bit of hope alive um and they are <laughs> operating at different levels but still it is 
So you're saying, know. you're saying, so if Mary Vida said to Novak, I know we're family and this is mutual and I love you, but I'm going to work with Medvedev, that that might not go down too well with Novak Djokovic. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something in the contract saying you couldn't, to be honest. Um, that happens a lot with work, right? If you leave a job, you can't work for a rival for uh, like a year or so. Is it normally about a year they'll give you? But, 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 does that happen in... Tele- I understand, look, in big law firms, you get put on gardening leave or you, you can't work for a rival. But, you know, these coaches... You- Again, like the players, your individual contractors, you you need to work yeah. to earn I mean, money. Look, and if I say I say that that I, I, that might have happened, I've never heard of that happening. Um, <laughs> so this just... is the gossip. See, this is this is this is like Naomi putting out a tweet saying yeah. Novak Djokovic has said that Marion Vida cannot work for a rival. In I the next never years. said he said anything. I just I'm just saying that <laughs> it would be completely different if. Uh, he was if Vida was going to work with Nadal or Medvedev or Tsitsipas or anyone that would be playing against Djokovic, able to beat Djokovic and able to take big titles off of Djokovic with a little bit of inside information from Marion. So that would obviously be pretty... I think that would be pretty bold. I think that'd be too bold for Marion. He seems like quite a quiet chap. To he's be a lovely fellow. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I think he'd be making such a splash. But no, Andy's a little bit different because he's not at that level. But still, you know, they have been rivals the whole time. But I don't know. We'll see. You mentioned Severin Luthi. He's been quoted as saying, don't expect to see Roger Federer for a, for a while yet because everything he has to do, it's not just the physical work. It's, you know, getting the whole body back together, the mind, the everything to get him back on court. I saw that quote. And I also saw that 30, he's 37 now, 37-year-old Stan Wawrinka is looking at coming back for Monte Carlo. We haven't seen him in a long, long time. We haven't. It's going to be exciting clay. Uh, well, yeah. Exciting clay to have Stan back, but of course uh, Roger uh, won't be there, and Andy won't be there because he's not doing the clay either. Um, yeah. So yeah, look, everybody will is that, be. Is that sensible for Murray with the body not to do the clay because of the pressures that clay puts on the body? Yeah, for sure. And the change between clay and grass is so difficult in terms of the body to try and navigate. It causes a lot of problems. So can't wait to see Stan back. Um, can't wait for Indian Wells and Miami. But I'm going to have to uh, shoot off. I'm afraid. Uh, and uh, yeah, cause I've got I've got places to be. I've you know what I've got to do. I I know it was yesterday in the UK World Book Day. If it's World Book Day, is that everywhere in the world? It was yesterday. Anyway, World Book Day was yesterday. Um, but the boys' school are doing the dressing up for World Book Day next week. So I'm currently having to negotiate outfits. It's meant to be your favourite book, but they just want to. So one of the twins wants to be a stormtrooper. Right now, I'm sure at some point, Star Wars, is it a book? Has it ever been a book? I mean, it's a film. It's probably a comic. Is it? I'm not sure it's a book, is it? So he wants to be a stormtrooper. So I'm having to, we're having to negotiate. And the other one for the third year running wants to be, where's Wally? The problem is he's grown, but he's grown so much. I've had to get a new Wally costume. So (laughs) sounds like you're going to be very busy. My my day to day is finding a big where's Wally and trying to figure out if if Star Wars is, was, and will ever be a book so I can have a stormtrooper. So that's my... <laughs> Just do it anyway. That's my, that's my delights for... Yeah, you know Just what? Just do it anyway. Let him, let him go as a stormtrooper. But it, it, look, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure as always. And uh, we'll chat again soon. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. 